Welcome to Premier Pain Talk, a podcast dedicated to expanding awareness about treatment options for people in pain. Each week, host Dr. Michael Danko from Premier Pain Treatment Institute in Cincinnati, Ohio, will discuss cutting-edge treatments for pain management that are improving the quality of life for those suffering from chronic pain. Tune in now to learn more about how to relieve pain and restore your life. Good evening, everyone. I'm Dr. Michael Danko with Premier Pain Treatment Institute. Uh, with me tonight is Dr. Uh, Tim Feldheim, also from PPTI. And I'm going to pull up our webinar slides here. We are doing a webinar tonight on a, on a pretty exciting topic for, for us. It's called uh, peripheral nerve stimulation. Uh, and it is a therapy uh, that is uh, in, you know, a, pretty, a pretty rapidly growing and emerging therapy in, in chronic pain management. And, and uh, you know, we have... Uh, some good experience here at PPTI with this therapy, and we're excited to talk talk to you about it in, in greater detail. So again, I'm Dr. Michael Danko. This is Dr. Tim Feldheim. Um, I am an anesthesiology-based uh, pain management doctor along with Dr. Feldheim. Uh, I did my training at the uh, University of Cincinnati. Uh, Dr. Feldheim has done training both at University of Florida um, and uh, uh, he did his fellowship up in uh, Cleveland at Case Western University. And at this point, I'm going to kick it over to Dr. Feldheim, and he's going to get the presentation started for us. Thanks, Dr. Denko. So tonight we're talking about peripheral nerve stimulation. And uh, this is great therapy for uh, a lot of different people with different uh, uh, types of nerve pains. So um, there's several different causes for nerve pains and nerve pain states, uh, disease states. Um, probably our most common one that we see is uh, peripheral neuropathy. This is usually characterized by inflammation of the ner nerves in uh, the lower extremities, but can affect the upper extremities as well, so hands and feet. Um, this is usually an intense burning, numbness, tingling-like feeling. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about these uh, peripheral neuropathies later. Uh, another such uh, nerve uh, pain state uh, is reflexive sympathetic dystrophy, or RSD. This is an abnormal neuropathic response it's usually characterized by redness, swelling, and temperature changes in the affected area. Um, and this is due to uh, uh, you know, an injury that uh, has led to a, a diseased nerve state that uh, also interplays with the cardiovascular and the immune system. Lumbar radiculitis is an extremely uh, common cause of a diseased nerve pain state. Um, and this is usually caused by a nerve root impingement uh, in the spine. A lot of people also know this maybe as sciatica, other such uh, terms. Morton's neuroma is another one. It's an inflammation of a nerve that's usually in the foot between the third and the fourth toe. Usually is pretty painful, especially to walk on. It feels like electric shock burning, sharp sensation. If you go to Morton's Steakhouse, you're not going to walk out with an aroma on your foot. So you know, just just for any of those word right. out there, that's not no relation to the steakhouse. No relation, yes, no relation to the steakhouse. Complex regional pain syndrome is another uh, uh, nerve pain disease state, which actually encompasses uh, part of reflexes sympathetic dystrophy. Uh, there's another uh, common cause called causalgia, um, and that's usually more where a there's a direct insult to a nerve as opposed to an insult or injury to an area that causes a neuro, neuropathic response. And then nerve entrapments. So these are pressure-induced injuries to different peripheral nerves, um, usually in a segment of the body. Uh, and it's usually due to an anatomical structure, 
uh, defect that uh, will then cause the nerve to be trapped or enclosed. Um, this could be something that you're born with in general. It could be scarring and overgrowth that leads that uh, nerve structure being born trapped. So, uh, next slide. So again, defining neuropathic pain, several different actual things that can cause those diseased nerve states. Um, and that can be compression of nerves, lacerations, which would be like cut in the nerve, whether it be completely cut or, you know, or partially cut. Um, and that's usually due to like an, a trauma or an injury. Uh, cut your finger with a knife, or you know, if you were out in a car accident, like your leg. Uh, surgical insult. So these are injuries that occur due to a surgery to a nerve, uh, whether it be, you know, as the surgeon was trying to do a blunt dissection uh, in an area and they happen to touch the nerve in a funny way um, or, or aren't able to see the nerve or for people who have had hernia surgery uh, and, you know, it's had some mesh place and that winds up kind of entrapping the nerve. Um, a stress injury. It's a very common cause, especially for upper extremity uh, nerve pain. And that could be, you know, where an area in the body is, is hyperextended. Uh, so, you know, think about your arm getting caught, you know, something and it gets stretched back, you know, kind of stretches all the nerves in that area. And that can cause an injury to nerve. Blunt trauma. So this would be things like so simple, you know, running into a door or something. You know, hitting your funny bone, that's that's kind of an injury, but, you know, if it was sustained pain afterwards, you know, that can be a uh, cause. Small fiber neuropathy, so that kind of goes back to that peripheral neuropathy that we were talking about earlier. And these are just very small nerve fibers. So nerve fibers that we can't even really see that well, um, you know, uh, unless we had a microscope that are in the body. These are, you know, disease or kind of, you know, kind of dying or that's what causes the pain. This is usually caused by diabetes, is probably the most common. But it can be caused by HIV, chemotherapy, alcohol use. And then phantom limb pain. So these are people who have had amputations and then continue to have sensation of the amputated limb, but still have a feeling of pain in that amputated limb. So the symptoms for all these different types of nerve injury causes are very, very similar to one another. If you look to the right of the screen, you can see that you know, a lot of people feel a stabbing sensation, pins and needles, those described throbbing and burning sensations, shooting sensations, very, very commonly electric, shock-like, and numb sensations as well. Next slide. So the current treatment for peripheral nerve diseases usually starts with pharmacotherapy. It's our most conservative line of therapy. Medications, you know, are very easy to administer. First line is really anticonvulsants and antidepressants. Our anticonvulsants, those are things like gabapentin, you know, lyrica, pyramid, things that are used to kind of quell down the nerve excitement or help with nerve. And antidepressants are things like amitriptyline or your antidepressants, uh, such nortriptyline, cipramine. Second line, those are your SNRIs. So a different type of antidepressant, more geared towards the uh, norepinephrine reuptake. So this would be your Cymbalta, Venlofax. There's also topical treatments, such as lidocaine cream, uh, capsation creams, and then your partial opioid agonists, such as tramadol. Third line, 
would be moving further down the line in terms of your antidepressants, which are your selective serotonin reuptakes, your Selexa, Axel, your Lexapro, or your opioids if it needs to go to that level. So it's your oxycodone or your hydrocodone, Percocet. Other such uh, therapeutic modalities includes TENS units, which leads to field stimulation, electrical stimulation, kind of surround the entire field with a uh, electrical stimulation to kind of overwhelm and massage the area a little bit. Nerve blocks can also be beneficial. So if we know the pain is coming from a certain nerve or nerve distribution, we can perform a nerve block, you know, using landmarks with fluoroscopy or ultrasound guidance in order to kind of calm and quell down that nerve. And usually peripheral nerve stimulation will come after those nerve blocks. So kind of defining peripheral nerve stimulation. So the FDA and Medicare both define peripheral nerve stimulation as simulation of an identifiable nerve below the neck, and it does not include peripheral field nerve stimulation or field stim. So again, it's a direct therapeutic modality on a nerve or nerve distribution. So to the right, you can see the sciatic nerve, which a lot of people uh, and the nerves that kind of come off of that, such as the tibial or the conicular, and those are targets for us, among many other targets in the body, depending on where you're. Uh, next slide. So, kind of looking more at where our common peripheral nerve pains come from. So, one of our most common is shoulder pain. We can target the suprascapular nerve for that. Knee pain, which is can. Be targeted with the either the infrapatellar or the suprapatellar uh, portions of the genicular nerves. In this case, for the picture shows on the uh, right, the infrapatellar saphenous uh, nerve. Foot and ankle pain can be targeted by uh, can be targeted with uh, tibial nerve stimulation. Sacroiliac joint pain could be targeted using the medial cranial. Back pain targeted uh, by simulating the superior cranial nerve. And even we use uh, dorsal column stimulation sometimes for generalized pain. So to give a better idea, because we thought I thought this would be a great picture to show everybody, if somebody has shoulder pain, we can target the suprascapular nerve because you might have developed a suprascapular neuropathy. One of the more common symptoms that are experienced in this disease pain state is pain and weakness around the shoulder. No, oftentimes will radiate into the neck, back, and even down the arm. Several different causes can cause this disease pain state. So nerve entrapment, which again is usually due to compression from the rotator, uh, rotator cuff tear or from multiple surgeries and the development of scar tissue. Post-stroke pain. An adhesive shoulder capsulitis, which is also known as frozen shoulder, which then kind of leaves that nerve kind of being dormant and then becoming entrapped in again. So I'm going to kick it back over to Dr. Danko, and he's going to talk a little bit more about stem wave and peripheral nerve therapy going forward. Thanks, Dr. Feldheim. That was great. Um, you know, as far as this therapy goes, um, you know, we're, we're talking about a broad class of therapy we call neurostimulation or neuromodulation. Uh, and there are different forms of this. There's peripheral nerve stimulators. And there are spinal cord stimulators that, uh, and many of you, I believe, have have heard of spinal cord stimulators, and that's a more a more 
familiar therapy with you. Well, peripheral nerve stimulation is quite a bit different as we'll go into. So there uh, <clears throat> is typically more associated with peripheral nerve blocks or, or test injections of, of specific nerves rather than um, some of the, the, the nerve blocks we typically do for, for spine conditions. And, and uh, we're you know, typically in, uh, thinking about these patients uh, for really targeted pain locations and, and it very commonly used uh, in when there are nerve injuries and other issues after surgery that are causing chronic pain. And these are very safe procedures to perform. So patients that do have uh, medical conditions that make them poor candidates for other therapies or for or bigger surgeries, and they, they can very safely undergo a peripheral nerve stimulator uh, placement. Uh, also, if you're a very active patient and, and um, you know, you, you, you need a more of a wearable type technology that, that, that helps with, with the kind of accommodating a really active lifestyle, this can be a very, uh, very nice option. If you have a, a, a condition where you need to get very frequent MRI scans, this, as we'll discuss later in the presentation, this MRI capabilities with these with peripheral nerve stimulators is, is very, very good. And you can do very high level MRI scans with that, uh, that, that a lot of the oncologists and other specialists may want to see. Um, it can be used in patients who, who have failed a spinal cord stimulator trial um, or, or spinal cord stimulator implantation. Uh, <clears throat> with StemWave technologies, they do have a, an option for spinal cord stimulation, uh, and it's going to kind of follow this, a lot of the same principles as their peripheral nerve stimulation um, platform. It doesn't have the battery associated with it. Um, the battery is external, as we'll get into later, uh, and it maintains a lot of the flexibility with, with relation to um, <clears throat> body size and, and also MRI compatibility. Here's what one of the leads looks like, and uh, you can see that it has these little tines on the, on the end of it. So you have the, 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 the silvery uh, things we call contacts, which is where we do the, the, the uh, electrical impulses come from and where we do the stimulation. Uh, and then those tines are what helps keep that lead in place and prevent it from backing out of position. Um, they allow you to, to minimize you know, movement of the leads, also minimize the amount of sutures you need to put in when, when implanting this. Uh, and it also has a soft polymer for, for easy retrieval and removal. Um, so like a spinal cord stimulator, like some of you may have heard of, uh, peripheral nerve stimulators have a trial. And I think that's one of the most exciting and, and uh, best parts of, of this kind of therapy is you get to test it out for uh, three to seven days before you decide whether or not you want to move forward with having this uh, device permanently. Uh, so in that, in that situation, uh, you know, when you have... Uh, a nerve block that that uh, you know worked, and then and then you end up moving to something called radiofrequency treatment. And I think sometimes that that process is a little disconcerting, where you where you uh, you've you've moving towards a procedure that's intended to provide a, a lasting relief with the the radiofrequency ablation, but it did not work. Um, but we know that when that nerve was numb, that uh, that your a lot of your pain went away. Well, in that situation, it may very well be a situation where stimulating that same nerve. Um, can provide that 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 lasting relief that you're looking for, uh, and so if you've had a something called an ablation or, or burning of the nerves, uh, or sometimes called a rhizotomy, um, and, the, and it didn't work, then then uh, this could be a therapy to, to start thinking about. Um, again, as Dr. Feldheim mentioned, uh, we we can use multiple uh, imaging modalities to really target the nerves. So fluoroscopy is is using X-ray guidance, and ultrasound is uh, you know, using an ultrasound machine. Uh, to, to actually see the, using sound waves to actually see the nerve. Um, and then at the end of that trial, if you have really good relief, um, then 
you can move forward with that implant um, and that's going to set it up to have long term uh, and that's a, a more durable situation where, where it has those tines in other ways where it's um, designed to, to stay in long term to provide good pain relief for an extended period of time. Uh, and then when it comes to the programming, this is a, a situation where, where the, there's more of a team approach here. So the, there is a representative from the company who will handle a lot of the programming of these devices and will work with you to, to really dial this therapy into to right where you need it to be. Uh, and it's a, a situation where you're going to feel more of a slight uh, buzzing or tingling when, when they're placing the when we're placing the leads and they're doing the initial programming, um, but but oftentimes you're going to end up with a, a situation where you're not really feeling like a tingling or, or a, uh, a strong th- throbbing kind of sensation like a like a tens unit. Um, so this is something you know it can be a paresthesia or, or tingle independent therapy um, with their proprietary um, technology. Here is uh, what uh, the, you know the system kind of looks like. Uh, see so again, you see those leads uh, with the with the tines on it. This is a permanent implant. This is not your your trial scenario. Your trial scenario, you don't have those tines um, because it's intended to, to be removed uh, within that week. Uh, the receiver or the you know the, what we think of as a battery uh, for a spinal cord stimulator. Well, with the peripheral stimulator, the receiver is actually inside of the the lead itself. And that's where this can become a wearable technology because you'll you'll have an external or uh, antenna, which you'll, you'll see on the right-hand side of the screen there, that blue antenna uh, is not implanted into your body. That is uh, on the outside and usually secured by a brace. Um, and, and then that has a transmitter where you can communicate with that antenna to be able to change the, the intensity or turn on or turn off to your system. Uh, this is a little deeper dive into the into the setup of the of the lead. Uh, so, the micro microstim chip, uh, which is kind of the quote unquote brains of the of the device, uh, is is embedded inside the lead. So, it, take the outer coating off of the lead, you would be able to see that that little microchip right there, um, and that's what replaces the need for a battery. Uh, and uh, as you may is as, as I think we you know really didn't talk about earlier, this is a needle based procedure where we we put a needle into the target where the nerve is using some of the modalities we talked about before. And then this lead or this wire will, will be threaded through the inside of the needle. So we don't have to make a big incision to, to put this, this lead in place. Uh, and then uh, it, 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 for those of you who are familiar with the spinal cord stimulator, you, you often know how, how big the battery is. Well, um, and this is uh, you know, significantly smaller, 35 to 100 times smaller than, than, a, than a typical battery. Um, and uh, so you're not going to be able to really feel like a kind of a little tin can under the skin like you might with a spinal cord simulator. Uh, here's a, a, a good depiction of the wearable technology. So the, the, these braces um, will help hold the antenna in place so that way you can, um, you know, pretty conveniently move, move and do your daily activities um, without having to worry about, um, you know, the, the antenna falling out of position. Uh, the uh, it is very flexible, and there you know, and there are multiple options for for bracing and also for the the, uh, the how it's placed on your body. I touched on MRI compatibility earlier. Uh, this is this slide is showing you that the people that that need MRI scans, uh, there are really no no limitations for the uh, on the head or limbs um, as far as the MRI goes, um, and that's up to what we call a three Tesla uh, full body MRI. Uh, Stemwave has great coverage. Uh, you know, they have a, a team of uh, a specialists on the back end who are able to help with uh, things with pre authorizations and, and other approvals and, and things that uh, 
that may be necessary to help you get approval for that trial and then also approval for the implant. Uh, and uh, I can you know, personally vouch that our, that our staff in the office has, has uh, had a lot of good things to say about working with the StemWave team. And, and uh, I think you'd be comfortable that, that trusting them to help us in this journey to, to, to navigate the insurance process. And then, you know, kind of summarizing here, the, the, this is a, a targeted uh, pain relief system where we're replacing a, a lead in, and we are, you know, really trying to target individual nerves with, with the peripheral nerve simulator. Uh, does not have that battery associated with the, uh, a spinal cord stimulator implant. Uh, and, uh, and this therapy, you know, when it works well, um, it, you know, it's really designed to, to offer you a lot of freedom um, uh, to be able to do a lot of your daily activities and and uh, and to you know really have a, a more quality of life. Uh, it's using a wearable technology, and again, I, I think it's really great the the amount, the uh, extent of MRI conditionality it, it allows. And so that was you know about a twenty minute uh, talk here on on peripheral nerve stimulation. Um, if you want to talk about that or other options we have available at the clinic, um, you can bring it up at your next clinic with any uh, appointment with any of the providers. So if you're are not currently a member of our practice. Our, our telephone number for the practice is 513-454-7246. So that's 513-454-PAIN, P-A-I-N. Uh, you can also go to premierpaintreatment.com. And we do have uh, our minimal invasive spine clinic uh, with appointments uh, uh, available to talk about a lot of the advanced therapies we offer at, at PPTI. Um, and for the last several minutes here, we're going to move into a little bit of a, a question and answer session. Uh, so if you have any questions, you can type them in the chat box to the right. Uh, and I'm going to I'm going to kick it off and and uh, ask Dr. Feldheim a question. You know, you, you discussed shoulders uh, uh, earlier, and I know you've done a lot of uh, peripheral nerve stimulation for shoulders with uh, between you know Case Western and, and as you moved to your career. Um, what's another pretty common area that that uh, you uh, you found respond really well to uh, peripheral nerve stimulation. Yeah, so um, shoulders uh, is probably what I've done the most. Um, it's, it's kind of home runs when, when I've placed them. Some of the other ones that, that we've tar- uh, other areas that we've targeted um, before um, have been um, foot pain. So a lot of the peripheral neuropathy that's mostly, uh, especially if it's you know in the foot. Also, people who've had uh, fractures and you know, nerve injuries. Um, uh, because the feet are very, very uh, complex. Uh, you know, podiatrists go to school just to learn how to take care of feet. Um, and so nerve injuries can be common, especially for people who had, um, you know, fractures and, and, and that didn't necessarily heal correctly. So uh, the tibial nerve, the tibial nerve stimulation has been a very, very good uh, uh, treatment for a lot of my patients. Yeah. So, and I actually have some some questions that some people had, you know, uh, have asked me about this. So I'm going to go ahead and, and ask you a couple about Dr. Dango. So um, the first question is, um, are these procedures done in the office or in the operating room? So the trial portion is performed typically in the office. Um, then we'll do the, the permanent placement in the, in the ambulatory surgery center, most likely, uh, can be done at a hospital. But, but like I mentioned before, this is a very low-risk procedure. And so we uh, will typically, um, you know, don't need a hospital-type setting, but we do want to, you know, the, the, some of the tools and the things that we have in the operating room so we can do it in an in a ambulatory surgery center uh, very safely for the, for the implant. Um, but the trial portion is performed in a clinic. 
And then another question that I get a lot as well is how long does the trial last? So the trial is, my standard trial is seven days. So if you, if you have the procedure done like on a, say, like a Thursday, um, you come back the following Thursday for removal of the, of the trial lead. Uh, during that time, you're going to be um, in communication with the representative from the company, you know, typically on a daily basis. Uh, and they're going to be providing updates and feedback to, to me throughout the trial. And, and so we're, we're going to have a pretty good handle on how that trial's going. And if you do need to come in to have an adjustment or, or meet with the representative, you, that can be done at any point during the, during the trial as well. So Dr. Feldheim, I had a question about, uh, um, that I was thinking about on, on my side. We talked about spinal cord stimulators a bit, and, and as we know, that is a really, you know, gr- another great therapy option that we have. How would you, you know, in, in pretty, as simple as you can make it, how would you, you identify which patients you think are a little more geared towards a, a spinal cord stimulator and which ones are more geared towards a peripheral nerve stimulator? So somebody with, uh, that I would probably consider a peripheral nerve stimulator more is if their pain is more focal, if their pain is more relegated to one specific area. You know, so that's why, you know, again, shoulder, you know, people who have shoulder pain, it's, it's pretty much primarily in the shoulder when they move their shoulder. And we can, you know, identify that suprascapular nerve as well as some other nerves in the area. But suprascapular seems to be the most prominent um, in terms of that I've seen anecdotally. Um, as opposed to somebody who's got more of a radicular type pain or a pain that's emanating from the back or is more of a regional as opposed to focal. That might be better served by a um, spinal cord stimulator. And the reason being is that you can cover more of an area. So if you think about your nerves in terms of, you know, uh, streets, you know, you can think of your small peripheral nerves as your small country roads. Those come together to form, you know, somewhat larger nerves, and those can be your state highways then those can kind of come together and form your larger nerves. And those are kind of like your, your, your interstates and that those all run together to your, to your spinal cord. So if I want to cover a larger area, I want to cover something that's, uh, I want to cover something that's going to cover a bigger area of the body, spinal cord, where everything kind of comes together, as opposed to something more targeted if your pain is more focal to one portion of your body. That's a great answer. Uh, so I had a question come in. It says, I have issues my, with my knee uh, after having a knee replacement uh, that's caused me pain. You know, this is a great therapy for, for pain, for knee pain, um, both before or after uh, a knee replacement. Um, now, typically, uh, this is a more focal type of, type of pain. So peripheral nerve stimulation can, can do a very good job of covering this. Um, there are typically three areas around the knee we might stimulate with the very, the most common one being on the, uh, we call the infrapatellar saphenous nerve, um, which is below the knee um, and on the inside of the leg. And uh, sometimes uh, there will be a you know, second lead placed at, a, at temp- stimulating one of those other nerves. And so you know, this is a great therapy for, for pain after a knee replacement. And, and what we do is we test out the, 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 the trial with either one or two leads, and then, and then that can be mimicked for the implant. Um, another therapy we do have for, for this kind of situation is, is called um, DRG, uh, or dorsal root ganglion stimulation. Uh, and so in that scenario, uh, if the pain is a little more global on the knee, uh, or if we're not able to really, uh, really hit it really good with the peripheral nerve stimulator, then, then I would, you know, for those patients that have had a knee replacement, 
replacement surgery, then we would move forward with uh, probably a DRG trial if, if the peripheral nerve stimulator trial didn't wasn't effective or it didn't provide enough coverage. And you know, like I mentioned before, this is a very safe procedure. And so if you have if you had some cardiac problems or you know even things as as, as advanced as a pacemaker, you can still get a peripheral nerve stimulator, and it's not gonna it's not going to confuse the, the the simulation is not you know there's it's not like it's in a circuit with your pacemaker it's not going to confuse it make you think that you're in uh, in out of rhythm and it's not going to try to shock you or anything like that you know you may it might be a situation where if you're if you're stimulating like the brachial plexus or something really close to the to the heart you know we would, we would definitely um, ask uh, for clearance from your cardiologist before we would move forward with something like that um, but it's also one of the nice parts about the trial so you can you know if, if you you have any issues you got to test it out before you end up having uh, having it implanted i also want to uh, rather than kind of feeding this question to dr feldheim and, and ask him to, to guess what i'm thinking um yeah i want to go back to some of the discussion about you know needing a battery versus not needing a battery uh and spinal cord stimulation is a great therapy and and uh and the fact that it requires a battery um should not really be a negative it really is a situation where, where you're using a, a much higher energy, uh, and so you you, you want to have the, you know that, that ability to provide you know, you know provide uh, um, you know the power you need to, to deliver some of the different types of waveforms and, and some of the really advanced technology that, that the stimulator can offer. Um, and and uh, you know peripheral nerve stimulation is is a very low energy type stimulation that does not require uh, a lot of horsepower like that. So if you so you don't need, you know, that big, you know, the little bit bigger battery um, in that scenario. So th- I think it's, I think it's important to know that that really that whether or not you need a, a generator to power the appropriate device for you, you know, shouldn't be really looked at as a negative. It really is just uh, trying to make sure you're you're getting the therapy, you know, that really to, that's most applicable to you, and that this is a really nice benefit to the peripheral nerve simulator that that you don't have to have an implanted battery with it. Dr. Feldheim, another question that I was thinking about as we were going through our presentation is, is uh, I often will get uh, the question about a, or how this compares to a TENS unit or how stimulation compares to a TENS unit. And, you know, there's the, for us that are in the medical field and that we're in pain management, I'll often kind of joke that it's kind of like the difference between like a, a motorcycle and then like, a, you know, like a little bicycle. Uh, and uh, they both have two wheels and they both can, you know, move down the road or whatever, but nobody would dare telling the, you know, somebody that like has a Harley Davidson that, 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 that my, my son's bicycle is like the same thing. So what's another way that you might be able to kind of, you know, make a little more refined, educated uh, description of how TENS unit and, and, and peripheral nerve stimulation are really just vastly different? So again, I think it's more about precision and targeting uh, is one way to kind of think about it. I actually use this analogy today. Um, if you think of pacemakers, um, pacemakers uh, are very uh, uh, refined and, 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 and specific in terms of how they make the heart beat. It just sends a tiny little electrical impulse and you get a great response in terms of you're stimulating the single nerve that or nerve plexus that uh, makes the heart beat the way it's supposed to. But if you think of, you know, a, one of those paddles that you see on Grey's Anatomy where they shock somebody, you know, that's more of a kind of general push into the area of just a massive amount of electricity to make the whole heart, you know, beat like that. And I feel like that's a very uh, good way to kind of compare to. 
Um, you know, the peripheral nerve stimulator is really meant to neuromodulate, meaning kind of, uh, or meaning to um, uh, target a single nerve area, you know, or nerve distribution, and kind of block the pain. Whereas, uh, such as like similar to the pacemaker, whereas the TENS unit is kind of just sending electrical signals all over and it's field stimulation. So you're stimulating the whole area to try and drown out the pain as opposed to trying to specifically block the pain, similar to the way that the panels, when you shock somebody to bring them back to life, stimulate the heart that way. Right. Now, so we had another question come in. It's, I'll take this one. It says, how long does it take for placement of the trial? Uh, will it be okay to work during the trial phase? How long does it take to for the placement of, uh, I believe the, what they mean is permanent uh, stimulator, and is there a recovery period? Uh, those are great questions. Uh, so the, the the trial procedure itself you know, typically takes about 30 minutes, uh, sometimes a little bit less, sometimes a little bit more for doing uh, two nerves. Um, but if a typical one, one nerve uh, or one lead trial would you know, be about 30 minutes, and um, that includes you know, the time it takes to get in the room, to get your get the area cleaned off, get the, the, the um, sterile draping in place, and, to, um, and then placement, and then, and then putting the dressings on and things afterwards. So it's a pretty quick procedure uh, because you know, we don't have to make any, any specific incisions or anything. We're, we know we're, we can... Place the needle and then uh, and then advance the, the lead and then make sure it's secured and in place. But the during the course of the trial, you know, I like you know my patients to to be doing their normal activities really as much as possible. Uh, and so there may be a scenario where if you have a really uh, you know heavy manual labor type job, I might ask you to, to take a little easy the first day or two to just to get an idea for if it's working or not. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but pretty quickly, I want you to try to get into your normal routines during the course of that week. So you can, you can really see how it's improving your, your quality of life throughout your, your normal activity. Um, Cause if you go home and you take the week off from work and you don't do anything, um, then you, you, sometimes there's a question of, you know, how that would might function in the, in the, uh, when they, when your normal life does resume. Uh, when it comes to the permanent, I, I generally recommend you know, if planning to, to take about a week off of work. Um, now, typically, you know, this is going to be more of a soreness kind of situation after this because, again, we're not we're not making any any big incisions. Uh, I may make a small, you know, less than a centimeter nick in the skin to be able to to, to secure the leads in place in that. And so, you're going to likely have some procedural pain or soreness for the first three or four days, but then it's going to get better pretty quickly. Uh, so. Generally, there's not a lot of restrictions after the after the surgery either, because uh, because of the brace that's that's really you know that the antenna is held in. It's it's right over top of where those leads are, so it's helping hold that in place. So it, it'll be an individualized discussion that we'll have about about what your job requirements are and 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 what uh, um, what you may be able to do or not do in that immediate recovery phase. But this is generally going to be a pretty fast recovery. We're not we're not talking a uh, four to six to, you know, three month kind of recovery. This is going to be within the week, like probably the maximum I could even think of would be probably two weeks uh, off of work. But, uh, but generally it's going to be, you know, on the far shorter end of that. One thing I will add to that too, is if, you know, especially for the trial phase, if your job involves getting for whatever reason, um, you know, wet for, you know, or exposure to water, you know, you, you want to keep everything dry as well. So that's going to be very important to uh, try and avoid, you know, things like infection. 
Yeah, so that was like uh, Dr. Feldheim's high school job. He was the, the lifeguard sitting up there on the stand, just kind of kind of looking pretty. And then when some kid actually needed help, he's like, "Hey, you go go help that kid. They're they're drowning over there. I got to stay dry." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you know, this has been a really uh, I think it's been a great discussion. I've been uh, uh, this it's been a fun therapy to bring into the practice, and I think it's only gonna only. Uh, Tip of the iceberg with peripheral nerve stimulation is, is it can, we continue to see uh, advancements in, in some of the reimbursement and, and the coding and, and some of the things that, that that we pay attention to on the on the uh, on the insurance side and, and kind of the business of medicine. So, Dr. Feldheim, uh, thanks for for uh, um, sharing your knowledge and, and have a good night. And all of you, thank you for for tuning in. Last thing I'll mention is that that we are uh, starting off a a podcast series as part of the, our uh, patient education with the practice as part of our PPTI CARES program, our, uh, our podcast is going to be going live in April. And it's going to be called Premier Pain Talk. Myself and Dr. Feldheim, are, we're going to bring in uh, you know guests uh, and medical professionals uh, to share uh, knowledge about other therapies. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk some medicine. We'll, we'll, we'll dovetail into some, some you know, talks about things we, we like to do, like uh, triathlons and exercise and, uh, you know, watching basketball and other things that try to spice it up a little bit. So you get to get to know a little us a little bit more on the personal side. And, and, uh, again, thank you for tuning in tonight and, uh, thank you everybody. Thanks for listening to premier pain talk, where we understand your pain and share solutions that can improve your quality of life. This episode is brought to you by Premier Pain Treatment Institute, which has convenient Cincinnati area locations in Loveland, Mount Orb, and Hillsboro. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you get updates on all new episodes. Feedback is sincerely appreciated. 